You're listening to Stories of Hope, a Bible discovery podcast. Hi, Amy. Hey, Casey. Well, we have come to the end of the seven I Am statements. Today is the last one, I Am the True Vine. Excellent. Are you ready to get going? So ready. So as always, we will read the passage, we'll paraphrase, and then we'll get into our questions. This time I'm going to read, we're going to be in John chapter 15, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and then you're going to do the paraphrase. Right. So Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. All right. I'm going to do the paraphrase of the same verses. I am the true base of the plant, and my dad is the one who prepares everything, who is the gardener. And every part of this plant that doesn't um, bear fruit, that doesn't make what it's supposed to make, he takes away. And every part that he that does um, actually bear fruit, he prunes. He cuts away the parts that are not needed um, that so that it will um, bear even better fruit. And already each one of you have been prepared um, because of the word, the scripture that I have already talked to you about. Um, so if you stay with me and I stay with you, um, yeah, stay with me and I will stay with you. As the branch, as the part, can't bear fruit unless it is part of the base. Neither can you unless you stay with me. I am that base that you need, that true vine, and you are the parts. Whoever stays with me and I stay with him, he will bear, that person will bear um much fruit, much will come of it. Apart from from me, though, you can't do anything. I like this analogy. Mm-hmm. My parents and grandparents um, farmed, gardened. It was, it was kind of a hobby that I grew up around, and we ate a lot of food out of the garden. And so this analogy uh, has always stuck with me. Definitely. We've grown a ton of tomato plants <laughs> in my life. And my grandfather even had um, wild grapevines for mm-hmm. a while that he had put in. And every year when I would see him prune these things, it wasn't so much of a pruning as it was a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> but it always came back. It, it always came back better. Yeah. Um, I just kind of wanted to throw that little aside in there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have a similar kind of thing. My parents had a grapevine in our backyard when I was little. And every year my mom would kind of fight my dad on how far back he wanted to cut it. 
and always had these little measly little grapes. And then this one year, my dad was like, please let me cut it all the way back. And she was like, okay, fine. And that was the one time that the grapes were edible. (laughs) So that kind of leads into our knowledge gap Mm -hmm. section here. Yeah. Basic vine dressing and pruning. I don't think it's something that we see a lot of in modern society. Mm -hmm. We live in the city. And ironically, we have a neighbor who has a grapevine growing on her balcony. But um, I don't think most people get a chance to see year for year uh, what it's like to care for a vine. Right. Um, There's lots of analogies that the Bible uses for for grapes and and vines. So I love to learn more about that. But uh, yeah, the basic is pruning is good. By cutting back, it actually allows the plants you grow more. I think that's the big thing that we needed to uh, go into this lesson with. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think other than that, just the basic idea of us being apart, but we're not, it's not just like a mass grouping of when we all come together, we create the vine. He is the vine and we are all his, all his branches we all need to individually plug in and then we all get the benefit of being together. But it's not like this, I don't know, um, pantheistic idea of us being God by being together. So what does this passage teach us about God? Yeah, like I just said, that he He is that life source. Um, he is the base, the root of our life. Um, and that if we're not apart, we're not connected with him, then... We may be fresh as in like, you know, cut flowers still bloom and they sometimes will even blossom more, but there will come a part, a point where we, where it will wilt away because it's not truly connected to a plant. And I, I, that's the same way with us. Each one of us, um, we may look fresher than others, um, but on, if we're not connected with God, then we, we are actually slowly dying. And I like how God is portrayed here as the vine dresser, Mm -hmm. Um, that the father is active in our life. He's active in directing our growth. He's active in removing things that hinder us, even if that doesn't appear pleasant. Mm -hmm. He's not just some judge or cosmic watchmaker that's sitting up somewhere outside of the universe in heaven and is either dispassionate or he's taking notes, you know, so he mm-hmm. can uh, do, you know, have a proper judgment later on. Right. He He's in here. He's in the fields. He's working in our life. And we see God the Son identifying as our life source, as the rootstock. Right. Yeah. I think it's cool how he, the God the Son is the root source and the life giver. And then, yeah, God the Father is seen as the as the pruner, as the preparer, as the one that makes us into who we will be. Obviously, it's both are God, um, but he kind of shows the way that the Trinity works by showing who God is. As I was thinking through this, uh, this analogy reminded me of the fact that we, we draw strength from God. That mm-hmm. When we're apart from him, we somehow just, we deaden, we fall away. Yeah, I think that that's really an important part that of our Christian faith is, you know, we, we study the Bible, we learn about Jesus, not just for our information, but because he is the source of our life. And by studying the Bible and by doing other spiritual disciplines, you know, that is the mechanism. That's how we actually physically as human beings in time abide, we stay with Jesus is by studying his word, but then also meditating on his word. 
by spending time with his people in church. You know, there's lots of different ways that we're spending time in the vine by connecting with God and his, and his people with our fellow branches. Um, yeah, we can unpack that more later. So do you see an example here, either good or bad, that we can mm-hmm. learn from? I mean, there's the narrative is about God and what he's doing. So obviously those imagery, the imagery is good, but it's not really an example. We can't prune ourselves. It's something that's only, only God can do. So, um, but that is in itself a good lesson to learn that there are certain things about ourselves. Yes, we make choices and those create habits, which create character. But the beautiful thing about the Christian faith and the grace of the Christian faith is that we're not doing that by ourselves. He is actively participating in who we become and the more we submit to him, um, the more painless, I don't even know if I would say painless, but the pruning produces better fruit because we're not, we are working with him in the work that he's doing in us. Yeah. I think we, we start to see the direction that we are growing into, right? You know, all these vines that are in a, in a vineyard, they don't just grow wherever they want. Mm -hmm. They're trained along trellises. They're trained along, uh, different, um, different wires and different ways to keep them going in a proper direction. Mm-hmm. Not because the vine dresser, you know, just arbitrarily wants to bind them, but rather this is the direction that they're, mess- maybe they're going to get the best sunlight. Maybe they're going to get the best uh, nutrients, the best water. Mm-hmm. And then they also grow together and they strengthen each other. And so, yes, not, there's not an example here, strictly speaking, but like you said, that idea of, Learning to see training and mm-hmm. to see its benefit is, yeah. it's so important. Yeah, this imagery of being a vine is something that has often been a, a theme in Christian meditation of just thinking of ourselves as something that is being molded by God. It's it's a very easy visualization um, for most of us. And maybe we need to stare at a plant to do so, but it is... Um, it is a great way to visualize our need for God and how he is forming us in a way that's not stressful, but it's just like allows us to let go and say, okay, God, my life is in your hands. So is there a command or a promise here, either given or fulfilled? I mean, he says pretty straightforward, stay with me and I will stay with you. Abide in me and I will abide um, with you. Um, so yeah, that's definitely imperative. Um, and and it's for our good so that we can live. And it's important, you know, Jesus, this is part of that um, Last Supper upper room discourse that uh, he gave right before he died. And so he's giving a promise about abiding, that if you remain with me, I remain with you. Uh, this was supposed to be a, a comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were looking at some really dark days coming up. And Jesus says repeatedly in this discourse, just remain, mm. just abide. Mm-hmm. This this is going to work out because the Father's hand is on it. Absolutely. But here we see the this abiding, this dwelling and remaining with one uh, one another, has a purpose. We're yes. abiding so that we can bear fruit. Exactly. In the Christian faith, we don't do good just because it's good. We're not just moral people. Um, our purpose is to connect with God, but then he created us, um, with a purpose that he has plans for us. He has purpose for us that we're supposed to, you know, first of all, 
share the good news of Jesus with others, but then also he develops in us through the fruit of the spirit and other aspects of the Christian life, we actually reproduce by discipling others, by pouring our lives into others, but also in ourselves, we are being renewed day by day. I mean, the whole point of fruit Mm -hmm. for any plant Mm -hmm. is reproduction. Absolutely. Yeah. A plant that does not produce fruit, it doesn't have much of a chance. Right. I mean, it you get one generation and it might be pretty, but it's not it's not doing what plants are supposed to do. Um since the beginning of creation, God told everything um that has life to make babies, as our kids' app says, <laughs> our kids listen to, that everything is supposed to reproduce for the most part. Um that's not to say that if you physically don't reproduce, then you have failed your spiritual calling. Um, if we understand the scriptures correctly, that those first callings for reproduction in a physical sense was even more fleshed out um, in the spiritual sense through Jesus. When he talks about reproduction, he's not talking about physically making babies. Mm-hmm. He's talking about spiritually connecting people into the vine so they find life as well. Jesus was never married. Right. He has no children. He had no physical children. He did not miss some virtuous mark because he did not have children. Right. But we are all part of the spiritual family that he's the head of. Right. Like this metaphor really shows what the true point is, and it is a metaphor, like there's, there's no one-to-one because it's talking about physical plants versus the spiritual reality of human beings. But we see here, and we can, you know, even skip a little bit to the next, to the question of what does it say about humanity? Like that we're all separated from God, but when we plug in to Jesus, when we connect with him, when we abide in him, then that is when we're able to have life and then give that life to others. When I think of fruit in the Christian context, I also think of fruit of the spirit. Definitely. Can you do that? Oh, yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. You're so much better at the list than I am. (laughs) That's because I had a good camp song to learn. You did have a good camp song. (laughs) The fruit that we produce, it's directly a result of the nourishment that we're getting Mm -hmm. and honestly, the DNA that we have. Yeah. These are not attitudes and behaviors that come natural. Right. It takes something more. It takes something inside of us producing these new fruits outwardly. Right. I feel like that's the second part. You Mm -hmm. know, we have the fruit towards multiplication, but we also have that fruit that shows how we've been changed. Right. That we've been grafted into the vine, once again, using a horticulture term where it means something that is from one plant can then be put into another plant. By basically cutting it in and then taping it together (laughs) um, allows them to become part of that plant. And then it gets nutrients from that base plant that it otherwise would go without. I know for my spiritual walk, when I decided to follow Jesus, it was because I saw that I lacked that goodness and love that I needed, the power to love, um, the way I saw that Christians were able to love. And I wanted that, and I knew that could only come from being connected with Jesus. So we've already touched a little bit um, on this, the idea of pruning. Mm -hmm. So what is this promise of pruning? Because this passage says very directly, if you're bearing fruit, Mm -hmm. if you're bearing the good fruit that shows that God is your father, then you are guaranteed pruning. Right. So let's unpack that. I think that sometimes pruning can be when we 
like for instance, study the scripture and we see that there's something in our life that doesn't line up with the moral standards of the Bible, that's a really obvious thing that God wants to prune out of our lives. Sometimes it's just straight up sin. But then there's also these really good things like most plants, what we prune are perfectly fine things, but because it saps our energy or because it saps the energy of the plant, the gardener will prune that back so that the things that remain will be stronger and fuller and taste better and all those things um, that make it a better fruit or a healthier plant. Nobody is ever saying that pruning is comfortable. I mean, if you've ever seen a, a vine dresser prune, sometimes they whack everything back to the root and let the branches start over. Okay. Sometimes with with tomatoes, it's it's this constant give and take of pinching sucker vines from between the true branches. Right. And then other times with flowers, you're deadheading right. weak blooms mm-hmm. so that the ones that remain right. Those, become fuller. Well, sometimes when you're deadheading, they were perfectly fine blossoms, but they're fading now. And so if you pluck them off, then it leaves room on the plant to have healthier new blossoms. And obviously that works in an analogy in our lives. Sometimes we have sin that needs to be cut out. Sometimes we have perfectly good things, but that saps our energy. So we have to say no to it or God takes it away from us. And we're like, why did that happen? But later we can look back and see, oh, that allowed for this. Um, And then there's other things in our life that were once good and absolutely the joy of our lives, but their time is over. And we need to be able to let it go so that God can do new things. And I want to be clear that I'm not using these verses to say that God will prune you off of the rootstock if you are disobeying. Right. There, there are some traditions of the Christian faith that have looked at this and have used this analogy as a way to scare people into mm. moralistic behavior. That's not what I'm saying here. Yeah. This is about God directing the paths of your life. And that if you remain in him and you draw your strength and your nourishment from him, then he will prune things off of you. But the pruning itself is not evidence of his displeasure, but rather his care. Absolutely. Everything that Jesus says, even when it seems a bit harsh, like if you look at it, the character of God that he's revealing is not this arbitrary judge that's throwing people out to the curb. He wants to invite everyone in. In fact, Jesus says that he came to the world not to condemn the world, but through him, each one of us could be saved. Um, he wants He wants us to be in him. So yeah, pruning, it's not always comfortable, but it is for our good. Absolutely. So going to the next question that we always ask, this passage, how does it describe humanity? And we mentioned before, I mentioned before, um, that it seems to show us as starting out outside of the vine, that we need to make the choice to connect with the rootstock, who, who is Jesus. Um, and that totally fits with the Christian tradition of someone having to make a profession of faith to be saved. Um, it, it's an alignment with, um, you know, the Romans passage where we're supposed to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he rose from the dead so that we can be saved. That is that same understanding of we were outside of our relationship with God, that we've all been separated by sin, but by abiding in Jesus and show in putting our faith in him, we can be saved. Our default, our base is that we are born disconnected, but 
God is offering us that way. And the point of that is not only connection, but then to produce something. And so he has a purpose for us, but we don't, we don't get to that purpose by ourselves. We don't get to that purpose disconnected with no sap flowing through our vines. Um, mm-hmm. We we have to be connected through Jesus in order to become what God truly intends for us to be. Right. Yeah. He doesn't want us to just live, get a job, make some money and die. He has something way beyond that for us. With that in mind, who would you tell this story to? You know, who needs this? Um, my first image is um, a person, either believer or non-believer, that has realized that they're spiritually inadequate. There's a lot of pressure in society. Um, I can say women are practically considered that they have to be the goddess of the household, that we're supposed to be the life source and, you know, nurturing and somehow still, you know, nurture the children, still have a job, be good friends with our squad and all of this stuff. And we're just supposed to out of ourselves, out of the abundance of being female, that we're supposed to be able to be all these things to all these relationships. And the reality is the phrase you are enough is incorrect. Um, Yes, we are enough in that um, it's okay to not be enough. So if that's what you mean by it, then absolutely, I agree with you. But the reality is, is that we aren't enough. And we all reach these points where we're fresh, we're good. Okay, not so fresh, not so good. I feel like I'm wilting. I am not enough. And we all get to that point. And that's what if I'm talking to a girlfriend or anybody who just realizes I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. And if they're a believer, I can remind them of where our source is supposed to be coming from and possibly to say, hey, is God needing to prune some things out of your life? Regardless, even in those situations where clearly God has put something in your life, we're still not adequate without his strength. And until we say, you know, and we make the choice, I cannot face this next day without you, Lord, and and choosing to go in his strength rather than our own strength. We're just setting ourselves up for disaster or, you know, spiritual wilt. I think the man version of that's not really any different. Yeah. There's always these expectations, especially in Western culture. You're supposed to be the breadwinner. You're supposed to be the strong one. You're supposed to be the one that, you know, takes care of the family no matter what. You mm-hmm. don't rely on anybody else. You've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are those aspects of it. And, and then when you bring in the partnership aspect mm. as parents, you're expected to, without flaw... Mm. Um, basically make all the possible range of choices for your children. They have to be the best possible choices. Right. (laughs) And so the pressure to produce this kind of life-giving environment, to produce life within yourself, to be strong, to have it all, to have enough money, to do all the things, um, it's extremely similar, I think, uh, for men. It just looks different. Yeah. When we're confronted with our inadequacies, we're told we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We need to just get stronger. We need to just do this, do that, work more, but also spend more time at home, do this, do that. You know, these impossible scenarios. This story, this saying, Mm -hmm. I think is extremely important for everybody, whether you're in the church or not, because it identifies our own inadequacies. We, We don't have the connection to a life source that we truly need to function 
Yeah. Without our connection to God, without our connection to Jesus as the root of our life, then we are, like you said earlier, like cut flowers. Right. We're there for a time, but right. we're not producing and we're not growing fruit. Mm-hmm. Anybody that I can tell is struggling with that inadequacy, with having too much mm-hmm. and not enough energy to do any of it, with lies that say you have to have it all, you have to have it all at the same time. Yeah. Those are the people that I'm probably going to have in mind. I, I begin to think, what, what do I just not need in my life? What right. do I not need in my everyday routine? It, those are the kinds of things. And when I see people who are struggling through these same kind of questions, say, mm-hmm. okay, let's find out what the real source of life is. What is the real meaning behind why you do and what you do and where do you get that strength from it? And then... We can start talking about what is actually important. What are mm-hmm. what are the ways that God is growing you? In what direction is God growing you? Right. What fruits are coming from this pruning? Right. And then I also think about, you know, in that pruning process, there are certain situations that God puts in our lives that really just draw back all that kind of stuff. Like when we moved you know, there's some natural flow things and relationships that kind of get cut off. Um, and yes, you can maybe work those back in your life, but sickness, moving, um, job change, those are stages in life that we can then turn to God and say, okay, this is a pruning opportunity. Lord, I want you to mold this situation in, in your hands, in your good way. I don't want to just try to grasp everything back just because it feels comfortable. Okay. Well, we have come to the end of the seven I am statements of John. If you have any questions about some of the things we've been talking about, please uh, don't hesitate to uh, drop us a line and we'll do our best to answer your questions and get back with you. So until next time. Bye. You've been listening to Stories of Hope a Bible discovery podcast. For more information, check out our website at www.bibel-erkunden.de. That's bibel-erkunden.de.